0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the antler up podcast and we are on episode 57 today dimitri and i are joined by mike lindahl and tim schutz and both mike and tim are from wisconsin and are the owners of domain outdoor between the two of them they have many years under the belts creating food plots and in 2019 they set out to bring the highest quality of seeds to hunters and created domain outdoor So for food plot newbies like myself and Dimitri, it was a ton of fun having them on. Talk us through the planning, the preparing, and planting our own food plots. We get into a little bit more and talk about hunting and family and stuff, and we can't wait to have them on again as the season gets closer and begin our food plot journey. So we're looking forward to having them on, and uh, thanks again, Mike and Tim. Hope you guys enjoy this, this one. Until next time, antler up. And before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank a few of our partners. and first one up is going to be On So scouting season, shed hunting turkey season's right around the corner, so that means dropping waypoints, tracking a height, scouting for an out-of-the-state hunt, and also planning out an area for a food plot, like we're going to talk about in this episode. And you're going to do that all on your Onyx Maps Hunt app. And don't forget to sign up when you uh, do a new elite membership. You get exclusive member benefits from Top Rut, Exo Mountain Gear, Vortex, and many more. So go download the app over at onyxmaps.com. And now is also the time to look over all the gear that you had you during this hunting season and definitely check out those strings on your bow if you are in need of a new set we only trust america's best bow strings particularly the platinum series strings hand built here in the usa that manufacture high quality custom strings since 2006. can't wait to share you my new strings that are going to be put on my nexus uh, 4 so and more importantly i can't wait to see how that thing performs so go create a new set at americasbestbowstrings.com all right, everybody, we're back for another episode of the Antler Up podcast, and we are joined on the other line by two great individuals with Domain Outdoors. We have Tim uh, Schutz and we have Mike Lindahl. Did I say the last names right? Pretty close?
1: You nailed mine. That's all that matters. All right.
0: <laughs> I, I always laugh about being a school teacher. I'm like, I make a living butchering last name. So, you know, it's, I apologize. But awesome. Well, gentlemen, thanks for coming on. We, we greatly appreciate you taking the time.
1: Absolutely, for having us, man. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, let's let's do this. Let's give a little bit of background of uh, who you are, just you know, and then we'll get into what domain, what you guys offer, and and everything like that. So, Mike, if you want to go ahead and start us off, go ahead.
1: I'll let Tim give her a rip. He's kind of the Tim is the face of the franchise, so I hate for our franchise
2: player not to be able to at least (laughs) stay. So there we go. (laughs) I've been told I have a face for radio, so this is perfect. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, uh, Mike uh, Mike is my brother-in-law, and uh, we both grew up uh, about, well, two and a half hours apart, never knew each other until married my sister, and off we go. We, we both, uh, I remember the first time I met Mike, we, we sat down on my sister's couch and just talked hunting for like two hours, and she's like annoyed at us, and then uh, <laughs> off we go, and um, we... we we have some hunting land in central Wisconsin and uh, we've been putting food plots in for boy, 10, 15 years now. And every year we've been kind of expanding on our, our plots and trying to figure out, we we don't have a lot. We have 20 acres of ag that we rent out to a farmer. And then we had 60 acres of woods and people around us have 300, 400. And it was incredibly difficult. Uh, You know, our neighbors were killing bucks and we weren't killing bucks. So we, about 10 years ago, put a ton of effort into our habitat and started clear cutting and making bedding areas and adding food in as many spots as we could. And as Mike and I got to know each other better and um, we, we started looking at the land, I ended up buying the neighboring chunk of land to give us a little bit more woods. And we we're like, man, like we really need to, to come up with something for it. And we were sitting in my shop one night having a beer and he kept kept talking about these mixes that he had in his mind. He's kind of a seed nut. And uh, so long story short, we we were like, well, let's just do it. We're going to, we'll start making some of these mixes and we'll uh, sell it to friends and family. We'll get it cheaper. They'll get it cheaper. It'll be a win-win for everybody. And we spun up our LLC. And then uh, I was out with uh, my best friend sitting there. We were met up for lunch and, kind of talked to him about it and he started asking me about it. And he's like, well, you guys got to name it. And I was like, well, it's not really a business. And he's like, <laughs> sure it is. You guys have an LLC it's a business. And uh, a couple of beers later we landed on, like, why do we put food pots in? Why do we go weekend after weekend to our woods and, with chainsaws and clearing areas and trying to make it better. And I was like, food, water, shelter, man, like you gotta, you gotta create habitat and you'll, you'll hold more deer. And he's like, so it's kind of like you're creating their domain. I was like, Ooh, all right. So the name was born. Mike, Mike hated it. I think it took him about a week until <laughs> Sorry. Uh, he, came, he came onto it. Um, but then, so we started with our mixes and we were doing one jug at a time by hand with, with solo cups, just like oh, wow. weighing them out. And uh, then came the names and, it's a very congested space food plot business. And there's a a lot of people that spin up companies and a lot of them offer great seed. And we're like, how do we, how do we be different? And I remember Mike talking about kind of one of our flagship mixes and it's a, it's a fall plot brassicas. And I was like, just describe it to me. And he's like the gets just big, big turn ups. I mean, this thing, uh, the, the green leaf, uh, everything's just big about it. I'm like, man, that sounds sexy. <laughs> and we named it big, named it big, sexy. And then from there, all of our names kind of followed suit. So it's a little bit out there. We're a little bit different. Um, and I think that's why, why people have kind of latched on with us and we have a very engaged Facebook following. We're always posting videos and you know tips and people are sending us photos and teaching us stuff. So uh, everything just kind of culminated into this, uh, this company that is a uh, domain.
1: Yeah, no, it's been, it's been wild. Um, I've, I've been in this business for a, quite a while actually. So it, it kind of, my, my background is in, uh, I've learned, I've learned a lot about, you know, seeds and minerals and nutrition and all of that. So that's, that's kind of my professional background. Okay. Um, I got out of it for a year and a half and was kind of burned out from it, honestly. And then Tim kind of rejuvenated me with this idea, if you will. And, um, once we, once we kind of got the footing and understood what we had, and then it just became our passion and, and a blast. Um, I think you're going to find it out too that with you being new to food plotting, you're going to enjoy the process as much, if not more, than actually shooting a deer. Um, it honestly, it's a it's the best sickness you could ever have. I mean, it is it's crazy how much fun we have food plot. I like, you know on the tractor or tiller or raking it up or whatever it is, and just seeing the process take shape. So it, it couldn't be named better when, when Tim and Tim up with domain and this is your land is kind of just how we explain our love for our love for the land and the country and, and the, the things that we do and, and the deer that we pursue. I mean, it's a, a full circle type of, type of deal. And I think Tim hit, t- hit the nail on the head. Um, we're different. Um, we don't want to be anybody else. We don't have competitors. Um, we're our own brand that stands alone and, um, we just do things the right way and work with good people and, and we're real people. Um, I think that's a lot of brands get away from it. Um, we're just like everybody else. We have full-time jobs and, um, bust our butts for a living and just love to do this. So it's been fun to continue to grow our family as we call it. Um, we have a lot of interactions and it's, It's really neat you get to know people and um some of the people i've never met uh, that i've talked to for six ten years honestly Uh, we share i mean we share baby pictures i've never met the guy just from from this industry so it's a it's a really neat thing and we're really lucky to have a support system of people that are way smarter and better looking and everything than us so we we kind of leverage all their resources and uh it's been a blast and we got a lot more a lot more to go long ways to go and a lot more to come but uh it's been a hell of a ride so far so
3: well that's what i, I love how you talked about you're really going to enjoy the process because i think you know as hunters it is when we harvest the deer and you know we we first lay our hands on that deer you know a a real hunter just really thinks about all the hard work that went into that harvest you know we don't we don't get excited about you know we do but you know it's all not all just about how big the horns are or or, you know you you kind of in the back of your head just you go through all that process of all the hard work you put in to get that deer you know you think about all the nights that you sat there in your backyard and flung arrows at a target you know, yeah. to really narrow it down, you think about, you know, if you have a food plot of all the sweat that went into that in the, the heat of the summer um, to get that planted or, you know, maybe water it or fertilize it. Or if you were hanging tree stands and, and trimming branches and, you know, those are the things that you really think about once you harvest that deer and those just run through the back of your head. And that's more gratitude than actually the harvest of the deer itself.
2: 100%. We, I mean, our kind of flagship food plot that we put in at my land this year. It's uh, two acres, a little over two acres, and it's right in the middle of the woods. And I must have drawn it out on paper, uh, just (laughs) sketched it out like 15 different times. And finally, we settled on it and we put corn, and then we have a muddy enclosed blind, like right in the middle of the field. And then we put some of our concealment mix so you could get into it corn all around and then right in the middle, I made it. So it was the closest shot would be around 15 yards. The furthest shot would be around 35 yards. Okay. Dead smack down in the middle of it was our big sexy mix. And, um, all around the rims, we put uh, a couple of our other mixes in, we put our new mix showstopper, we put sugar mama in the corner. And all of a sudden, like you get down there like three, four weeks after planting and you're just like, Oh yeah. (laughs) And, uh, my dad ended up killing a buck there. And uh, that was the coolest thing. Cause we put so many weekends into getting that done and to see it read the script and come right to the middle of the food plot. We put a tree coy out in the middle, went right to it. And he, he made his shot and it was like, man, that plan came together. It was just, he just got the Mount back yesterday. He's all pumped up. It's like that, that to me is what it's all about. The full circle. Like, putting in all that time, all that planning, and then all of a sudden you, you put the plan together and it actually works and you're like, all right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I I actually want to rewind back to even to, to Tim, what you said earlier about how you guys offer videos and you're very interactive, like with your customers and, and, you know, your followers. I will say this, like you said, there are hundreds of different other companies, but it almost makes it, you have to they make it seem like you have to have the X equipment. Like you need to have the tractor. You need to have the land. You need to have the X, Y, and Z where you're very transparent. Like you just need half an acre. You just need this little willingness
1: to try. Yes.
0: Right. And you make it, you make it, you make it, uh, for someone like myself that has never done this want one, want to do it, but then two. believe that I could do it. And you're there to, as a reference, to ask questions and guide us basically and not feel like it's we're just buying from some corporate corporation and just going out and going by the seam of our pants and failing with it. And, you know,
2: people fail all the time. we failed. I mean, there's a picture of Mike and I I think it was the first year he started dating my sister and we had him up on our ridge with a rake, (laughs) (laughs) raking up the leaves so we could put a plot in and then we'd have a hand rototiller just like pushing behind and, you know, eventually we got a tractor, then we got a rototiller Then we got a disc. And now we want to buy a bigger tractor, (laughs) but it all comes with time. Right. Yep. But the most common questions we get are like, Hey, uh, I got a half acre or I got a quarter acre plot and we get so many texts and so many messages on Facebook where they just, it's a picture on onyx with a circle. It's like, (laughs) what do I plant here? (laughs) <laughs> and I love it because those like it's just like you guys getting started putting plots in. You're like, where do I even start? Yeah. And I think the key thing is, is first question back is always, what's your pH? Test your pH. Understand the health of your <laughs> soil. Seven's optimal. That means your plant can take in all the nutrition it needs. If you got low pH, we got to work on it. Um, second question is, is it full sun, partial sun? what type of sun is going to get into that plot. That's critical. And really with the diversity of the mixes that we keep coming up with, we, we have some for most situations, but even myself, I put a new plot in this year. Uh, it was in the woods. I cut down a couple of trees. I thought I was going to have enough light, put the plot in It germinated. It was coming up. Good leaves popped. Cause I planted it before the leaves came in completely choked it out of sunlight. And the thing was just see a, So I went and marked the trees that were blocking the sun. I'm going to cut it and I'm going to try again this year, you know, so we still fail.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So what is the best way to to get your soil tested? So someone that's never done it before, you know, is there somewhere online that you can kind of companies you can send it to? I know we have Penn state university right here at our footsteps. Is that something we can take our soil to have them test our soil and see what our pH is. Can you kind of explain that process someone might go through?
1: Yeah. So there's, There's really two ways. Um, and there's kind of two different results. We offer a do it yourself pH test kit that you can do in the field in 15 minutes. It only tells you your pH level, nothing else. Okay. Super effective, but again, it just tells you that, um, that one thing, your pH. And then from there, it'll allow you to, to determine how much lime to apply. Um, if you have easy access to a place like Penn state to send samples into, It'll give you a comprehensive test. It'll tell you where your NP and K are, what I mean, what's lacking, what it has, what type of fertilizer to use, what your pH is, how much lime to apply to get to the desired level, all of that, Um, that involves planning. It typically takes several weeks, three to six to get your information back. Um, But it is comprehensive, so it's a great way to do it. Um, Ours is kind of a fallback plan, or for somebody who just, they want instant results, they just want another pH, they're gonna throw some lime down, i know guys that use our ph test kit have no desire to put lime down but just want to know where their ph is at because it helps them determine which food plot mix to use okay like tim said earlier the varieties we've created um offer different options on the back of our on our website and on the back of our brochure we've got a food plot selector guide and it kind of helps walk people through different variables whether it's ph or um environment or shade or Equipment and it, it helps select the perfect mix for you to get the best results. And re- really, those are the those are the conversations we have with people. Um, Tim and I talk to a ton of people. November is going to be fun because we have talked to hundreds of people that are first timers and getting their first plots, and it's going to be fun to see the results here in you know eight nine months. But um, but yeah, there's Dimitri to answer your question. There's there's two different ways to do it for the most part. Um, they're both effective. One of them's more comprehensive. One takes longer. So it's kind of one of those um, it, up to the consumer. As long as they do it, we don't care how they do it.
0: The food plot, you know, for some, like you said, they're diehard. They do it just because they have the land. And you have individuals yeah. that are like us that are new. We we have, a, you know, we have a little bit of that land. We could try it. You have others that come into it. Just they they watch TV shows because that's what the guys do. But yep. then you also have like... I feel like we're, we're split. We have that little bit of land and we want to try it. We want to improve. But the other half of it is because, man, that's just another process that gets us involved. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just like the ever evolving door. Like we, that's why I love archery so much is just because things change all the time. It's a, you know, and I, I, I love that aspect of things. Um, you know, you could always work on that one thing that gets you a little bit better and that this is part of it. This also yep. could be part of what could make you a little bit better of a hunter because, you know, like like tim like you said you 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 guys drew up a plan for for that one spot and it it worked perfect and your dad you know your dad picked up the nice beautiful buck yesterday from the taxidermy you know what i mean so that's like that's that's circle it's all full circle man and I i love that idea and i like you know that kind of you know it gets you excited for for trying something new you know for us or you know for you even it's trying a new different area you know like tim like you said you failed and now you get to go back in there and try to readjust and, and get ready for hopefully another great opportunity in the future.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what it's all about. And every plot we put in and the more food we've put in and the more emphasis on sanctuary areas where like this weekend I'm going down, I'm going to snowshoe and I'm going to go check some of these areas out, but come summer, we don't touch, we don't touch it. And so we, we keep our doughs on, And the does are there. They're, they're always out in our plots all summer. We don't summer any bucks basically on our property right now. Okay. Uh, It's just does, but they're happy. They're fed and we have tons of does and what happens during the rut, the does are there. So, you know, that's really what's worked in in our favor and, you know, we're going to continue to try new things and just be different and, um, it, it's every year our hunting has gotten better and better. And I'm not in an area where, you know, if I see a 130 inch deer, I'm, I'm going to smoke them. <laughs> you know, I'm not in like Buffalo County where we're sh- like getting booners and stuff like that. Um, I've seen one booner in my entire hunting career. So we're All to me. Too. It, I'm going to, I'm going to oh, shoot one this year one. down in Kentucky. So you just watch out, but I, I think so. it's in, it's important that it's just where I still get a pink to, to shoot a, a nice buck and it doesn't have to be huge. It's big to me. And that's what matters. And I think that's what matters to a lot of people because not everyone's fortunate. Like the guys you see on TV that are going to, you know, these big fancy places, it's uh, you know, I got 30 acres, I got 20 acres, I got four acres and that's where I hunt and anything you can do to improve like improve that habitat there. Yeah with food or if you can put a water hole in if you're, if your county or state allows it, all that stuff's just going to help you have a higher chance or a higher likelihood of being successful.
0: Now, let me ask this question. You have, you, like you talked about, you guys have been doing this for, for a long time and you're, you're evolving, you know, how has your experience evolved over the past couple years from the first time you have done a food plot to, to where you are today?
2: I think even, from last year, we're going, we're going to plant our brassica plots because they just got hammered and we want them to have longer time to grow. Um, but I think for us, it's pushing the envelope now. We've got our main areas that are just like, they're open. They're like, yes, we're putting a food plot, but what are some of these other areas or how can you construct it? I think this year was the first year that, I mean, I staked out, out in that field, put stakes out and, we, we mapped it out. Like we were very strategic on exactly what we were planning where and how the deer were going to funnel through it. And we put so much thought into it of where are the trails coming in? How are they going to access it? And I think that's where we're going to continue to evolve. Whereas before it's like, we, we put the plot in and that was it. And now it's like, how, how do we give ourselves a better shot if they do come in? to this big field, they don't just skirt that far edge and not come to where I can get a shot. That would be my feedback on it.
3: Well, I even think a lot of times people don't realize the benefits you can have from a small food plot like us. You know, we don't have a lot of ground. It's not a big property and especially how we hunt. We don't really even hunt on the private property. Um, We actually hunt on the public that borders it just because that's the habitat that's where the bedding is and a lot of the transitional areas um but i think that now we're starting to realize if we put a small food plot we you know we might not even be hunting directly on that food plot But what that's going to do is allow us to kind of know where those deer are going to funnel from that bedding area and kind of catch them uh, and kind of be more patternable in those transitional areas. And I I think sometimes people have these small properties um, and just think, what's the point? You know, I don't have enough area to have bedding or the food plot and and have the whole um, habitat right there on their property but if you think about it like where we're going to be doing the food plot is you know the public land has all the the bedding areas and it has great bedding areas and holds you know deer year to year you know not a ton of deer but it has you know a couple good bucks a year and this way we can kind of benefit that and kind of use that to our advantage and put the food plot on our property and that's going to really help us i think you know trying to pattern these deer a little bit more just because we're up on a mountain and you know it's a big wooded area and basically the only feed for the deer is acorns you know and or browsing on on some saplings as well so i think if we can put that food plot in there and that's going to really help us as another food source for these deer yeah,
1: we always say too, if you come home from work and the fridge is empty, you're going to go somewhere else to eat. It's no different on deer on your property. If the fridge is empty, they're going to go somewhere else. So, um, uh, and to add to Tim's point earlier too, I think, I think what you're going to find is your first time food plotting is every year you're going to learn from the past. Like Tim said, whether it's plant varieties or application or what have you, um, one of the things that allows Tim and I to answer so many questions um, is that we've made every mistake you could possibly make. (laughs) Um, So uh, that's, that's the thing you got to go into it with an open, open mind, knowing that something's probably going to get messed up because you're a, you're relying on mother nature. She's as unpredictable as they come. Uh, But also you've got seed rates and seed depth and it can sound really crazy and scary. But if you go into it with an open mind, knowing that no matter what you do, it's gonna be better than it was before um and then every year it's gonna get better and better and that's that really is what happens um you're gonna become addicted to it you're gonna turn a half acre into an acre um you're gonna turn it into an hourglass from a square i mean you're gonna trust me i've seen the process um it it is what you guys talk about it it, it's just it's part of the process it's it's my favorite part of it and every year it's going to become more and more of the process so
3: i like it so now we tested our pH for, for our little food plot. Now, you know, we, maybe we went on your website, we decided, okay, you know, um, one talk about a little bit of the different mixes that you offer. Um, and so basically we'll go online, we'll, we'll f- figure out where our pH is, figure out what uh, mix is going to be best for us and then kind of walk us through the next step in that process of beginning to make that food plot.
1: Yeah. So let's use your, your property as an example. Um, you've got two food, you've got two food plots. Um, typically when Tim and I talk people through properties, we try to think outside the box. So not just your nine day gun season, yeah. but 365 days a year. Um, we want deer to always be there. Uh, like Tim said, his property home is the home to a herd of deer year round. Um, yeah. I'd rather fall bucks than summer bucks, if you know what I mean. So, um, so we're thinking year round food. A a lot of our mixes have perennials and annuals perennials are your clovers, your chicories. Um, they come up year after year. So multiple years of one mix. And then, um, we've blended some brassicas and oats and some of those kind of cooler season food sources. So just to keep things extremely simple. Um, what I would try to do is plant, half of your available food in a perennial whether it be hot chick or comeback kid um, if you're shopping domain and then the other half of your total space in an annual Um, this will provide warm season food and cold season food we never want there to be a reason for deer not to be on your property so by kind of blending those options um, you, you have all the bases covered now you can you could take each plot and cut them in half and do half annual, half perennial. You do one perennial plot that maybe you don't hunt. It's in the wide open. It's more of a food source. Uh, one annual plot, like a big sexier, a green machine or a showstopper, something that's going to be planted in July, germinate quickly, grow fast and hunt over, um, is more of a hunt over plot. So, I mean, not to make it sound complex, but there's a, a lot of ways to skin the cat, if you will. Um, so now that you've tested your pH, we'll say it's a six. So you're, you're going to want to put down a little bit of lime. We like pelted lime. It breaks down faster. It'll improve your pH quicker. It takes time to improve your pH no matter what you use. Um, and then equipment. I mean, are you going to rake it up? Are you going to till it up? Uh, we don't care what you do. The goal is just to disturb the soil. That's going to help roots develop. Um, one of the ways that we've done in the past is we'll till it up, let those weeds come up. When you till the soil, you're going to unearth weed seeds. So some guys will then spray the weeds to kill them. Some guys will retail it and plant. If you're hand raking, hand rake it. One week, come back two weeks later, you're going to have some weeds probably grow up, do it again. Um, just to try to eliminate competition. Um, a lot of times, I'm, I'm saying a lot obviously, but um, we like to plant our perennials in the spring because they're going to last longer. So they take a little longer to establish we plant our annuals in the late summer. So um, two timeframes to, to plant, so to say. Uh, I'll let Tim kind of talk through whatever I may have missed, how to maintain them, what to expect from your perennial, from your annual, et cetera.
0: But before you do that, Tim, yeah. you talk about the till, no till. And like you said, you really don't care like what an individual does. Over the last, I would say, year, maybe the past year, two years, I know a lot of, you know, quote unquote, big influence hunters, or, you know, they're, they're, they're really big on the no-till right now. You know, could you talk about like a benefit uh, to that or against it or how, like, like you said, I know you don't really have a preference, but you know, how could for someone like us that doesn't have maybe the equipment to do it, you know, what can that do for us? The no-till.
1: Well, by no-tilling, you don't disturb the soil. So if you were to go in there and burn it or kill it, um, you could almost plant without doing anything, uh, depending on the, the area without disturbing the soil. Um, you could literally kill it and plant based on, again, me not knowing your area, but yeah. it is a possibility. Um, advantages to no-till that's probably the main one. Um, like I said, anytime you, you disturb the soil, you could unearth Lord knows what type of weed. <laughs> um, so that's just part of the deal. Um, so I know a lot of guys are using no-till drills now and different types of no-till they'll plant buckwheat and then let it die off and and no-till or broadcast in some brassicas later on. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, personally, and I, I'll let Tim provide his opinion too. If you can, or if you have equipment and you're able to rough up the soil or disturb it, it. the seed to soil contact is going to be better. Um, it will likely perform better for you. Uh, Now, with that said, Tim and I are, again, we are, we're believers that we can, we can help, help you no matter the situation. So there's, there's a solution for everything. So, um, like I said, if don't be deterred, if you don't have the equipment, we'll find a way to make it work. And and no-till is a great way, depending on the scenario, there's a, a variety of solutions, burning and spraying are two of them.
2: My, my big thing with it is like, so our plot that we put in. It was our third year planting it, so I bought the property in 2018. It was a soil bank, so it was just weeds. Uh And the first year we got in there, and the plot came up good. But you're battle when you're, especially when you're establishing a plot, you're going to battle weeds. And we sprayed it. We've got a big try. I don't like roundup. It's nasty stuff. You gotta be really careful. Like health reasons why, like I just, I'm i like stiff. to limit our use of roundup, <laughs> you know, but it's frustrating when you go through all that work and then you come back and your weeds, your plots is choked out by weeds. We had a guy that uh, we've been posting pictures about on our Facebook, milkweed, just nasty. And every <laughs> time he tried to do pigweed, pigweed, pigweed. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have milkweed on our property, whatever that crap is. I hate it. Is um, <laughs> that what it is? This stuff sucks. I'm alert. I think I'm allergic to it too. I just, uh, anyways, we're gonna move on from that. But <laughs> he uh, he went in and he he killed it. And then instead of going in and disking it, he just broadcasted in and his plot. Came in, okay. awesome. Why keep fighting it if you don't have to, right? Okay. So that's kind of that no-till thing. And if it is a new plot. I almost always steer somebody towards like a hot chick, which hot chick has chicory in it. And then two varieties of clover, the chicory establishes really quick. It's like a dominant plant and you mow it. And so you'd plant it. We put it in a new spot this year. We put it in and it started coming up. Weeds started coming up by the third time we mowed it this summer. The the chicory and the clover was a dominant plant because every time you'd mow it down, they would outgrow the weeds and it just kind of choked out the weeds and we didn't spray it. So that's a really good way to establish a plot. Now, eventually as we get that established, then we'll go in and we'll rotate in some brassicas and stuff like that. But uh, you know, weeds are the biggest enemy, Um, not getting enough sunlight and then planting it. We got screwed this year when we put our, all our fall plots in, I mean, we, we put a ton of work in, and there was rain in the forecast and that rain went away and we didn't get rain for like two weeks. Yeah. It was a very and dry summer. Yeah. It was, it stunted our plots a little bit, but that's why we're going to get everything ready in July. Like right at the 4th of July, all our stuff's going to be tilled up. We're going to be ready to go. When we know there's rain in the forecast, we're going to go and we're going to plant it. We're going to just get it done because at the end of the day, like Mike said earlier, like, you need rain, <laughs> so guys are go. Well, my plot didn't come in, and it's like you didn't get rain for four weeks. <laughs> like, what do yeah, you yeah, they need, <laughs> it needs water. <laughs>
3: yeah. Now, do you do you recommend that that someone plants right before rain? Is is, is that something you usually do, or you know, you're trying to time that out?
2: Yeah, I mean, especially with you guys like getting started, like we roll, or a lot of guys use like a call to packer to get the seed down. If you got a nice rain coming in, it'll actually help kind of pound that pound seed in. down in um, to get that good seed-to-soil contact that you need. Because we talk about every one of our mixes, we got a planting guide, and it'll tell you a seed depth. And uh, so that, yeah, rain will help. And, I mean, but also if you get a downpour, it could it could wash away your seed. So you got to be kind of mindful of all those different scenarios. But it, uh, I would air on the side if you've got rain in the forecast like i've been out before like running with the spreader in the rain getting the seed out (laughs) to make sure that we got it out
3: how about talk a little bit about fertilizer because obviously that's something you're going to probably want to put down on your food plot and i know planting my yard uh at my house that there's a lot of numbers that go involved in fertilizer. And, and, you know, sometimes when you go to the, the feed store and try to pick that out, it can be, you know, very overwhelming. Can you talk a little bit of what you'd recommend, you know, maybe starting out your food plot versus maybe after the season or winter, or, you know, sometimes there's other uh, time frames that you're putting fertilizer on the plot. Like Tim
1: stated earlier, the pH level determines the amount of nutrients your plants can absorb so spending money on fertilizer really comes in, I mean, it, you get a hundred percent of it when your pH is a seven. So to your point, different plants require different types of nutrients for the most part um, to keep it simple. The first number is the most important number that we tend to look at that's nitrogen. And the reason I say that is um, that Tim keeps grabbing the hot chicken, the comeback kid there right next to him. And those are, are cold season perennials, and your clovers actually create nitrogen as they grow. So typically, um, to keep things simple, when we're planting perennials, um, we use low nitrogen fertilizer. So the low first number. Um, I hate to give ratios because the, the first thing you'll say is we don't have that here because it's really hard to match. So yeah. five, fifteen, thirty is a great fertilizer to use on your clovers but the ratio is more important, low first number. Um, otherwise, what happens is if you put a high nitrogen fertilizer on your perennials, you're gonna feed the weeds. So vice versa for the brassicas or your your rapeseed, your turnips, your radishes, your oats, your winter peas, your soybeans, etc. they like nitrogen. Your incognito, your concealment mixes, they love nitrogen. So there we want a higher first number and a, a standard 19, 19, 19, 17, 17, 17 is perfect for those. So we try to keep things relatively simple when it comes to explaining fertilizer. And um, as far as application, we always try to put some down when we plant. Um, And then once the plants are established and growing, it's always wise, I think, to try to to reapply at least one more time. Now the critical step, uh, we're gonna go back to mother nature here, is when you're applying granular fertilizer, you need rain. I speak from experience, um, using granular fertilizer to my detriment, uh, burning out a plot because I didn't get rain for weeks on end. So that's the only, only thing you really need to be very aware of is, um, your, to Tim's point, you almost want to broadcast your fertilizer in the rain, uh, that second time around. But at the end of the day, man, if you work out and you don't eat, not going to grow any muscles uh plants need nutrients too it's no different so uh we'll often have folks who will contact us a month after planting and their their plants are stunted out they've germinated and they've they've failed to really grow to their full potential and it's one of two things 99 percent of the time the ph or the or the level of nutrients and sometimes those those coexist or counteract so um it's one of those things where um the more you can put into it the more you can do the better it's going to be it's it's no different than anything else in life um so uh fertilizer is extremely important however it's one of the steps that a lot of a lot of people skip because it can be an expensive step so um you were saying earlier like you're looking forward to every or what can you expect year after year i I think year after year you can expect to skip less steps um the first year you're going to skip as many as you can the second year you're going to skip a few less by the end you're like you know what if i'm going to spend all my weekends doing this i'm not skipping anything i'm testing my ph i'm applying lime i'm putting down fertilizer i'm eliminating the weeds i'm going to mow my clover when it needs to you know i mean it just like i said turn back now man because you're going to be in this for the long haul now so um this would be the best thing you ever did but it, it just that's just how it is yeah so
3: and and we always talk about rain and and that's very important for planting as well and i know where we're going to be planting food plots it's just a small open area in the middle of the woods and i think that is a lot of people's situation that has these small food plots what they're doing is maybe they don't have the big fields or the the old apple orchard that they can kind of clear off that's already existing so they're cutting trees down you know on their small um, acre or half acre now, what about sunlight? So they're going to be clearing trees. How do you know that you have enough sunlight hitting that that food plot? You know, because sometimes, you know, I don't really know, you know, because some of those trees are going to be covering up. And you talked early on about the leaves leaves popping up and hitting. You know, is there an indication that you can kind of figure out? Or, or you know, is there some time during the day you can kind of watch your food plot to see if it's getting the proper sunlight? I
2: I would err on what do you have for undergrowth in there now? If it's just desolate and there's like nothing growing, like maybe it's just all leaves. Okay. Maybe you don't have a lot of sunlight, but I, in the woods plots, I I would plant before the leaves come in and give it the best shot to get that early germination. Once, once that happens, what I should have done but i ended up not being able to go down for a while the leaves pop and it's like that especially like that afternoon sun that good baking sun where is it hitting and what tree top is blocking it and i would try and take just even selectively a couple of those out um but yeah mike can probably speak more to like how many hours and stuff of daylight because he's like i said he's the seed nerd (laughs) but um that's what i do on on our property and that's where i messed up this year was in the woods plot it was tiny it was eighth of an acre and it was just it's going to be an awesome kill plot i'm going to kill a buck there this year like that's my goal um but i've identified the trees i marked i know exactly the three trees that i need to take out once i get them out it's going to open up a lot more daylight and game on
1: yeah to, to add to tim's point i mean he covered it pretty well but I, my theory is always if you don't think there's enough sunlight create more there probably isn't if you don't think there is um but three to four hours a day is kind of what we say um now you have to sit there with a stop stop watching and measure it but, um you know I, and me to also, <laughs> also too plant varieties play a role too um, like hot chick we keep going to it but we've posted some pictures on our Instagram and Facebook of Tim's logging roads. And there's not a whole hell of a lot of sun there, but they were established when there, when there was, they took root and those clovers and chicory can handle the shade. So it's as much of what you're planting as how much sun there is. But, um, and uh, like I said, three to four hours is kind of our goal. Um, you know, every, every year you're probably going to trim a tree here or there, but, um, a lot of our food plots that get planted, like to your point, they're not large food plots. They're not large tracts of land. It is small shot plots in the woods. Um, guys and gals in there trimming trees and and roughing it up with rototillers and garden rakes. That's what we thrive on, uh, and that's why our food plot seeds are so dang easy to work with because that was us. That is us. Heck, I, I hunt on four acres, um, and use a rototiller in my backyard and I use a hand rake down below and that's how I hunt. So that's the, the fun part. And I've, I've eliminated at least one or two trees every year um, for plot expansion in my, in my position. But um, yeah, I mean, plant varieties are key. Try to think three to four hours of sunlight, the positioning of the plot based on, you know, the sun rising, in the east, sets in the West. Um, so consider that when you're positioning your food plot, if it's completely new, um, you position it, you know, so it gets the most sun available. Uh, and then if, if you think it's too shaded, it might be. So we'll remove a few trees if you can, you know, and then every year the, the plot will tell you what you need to do next.
0: I feel like we're pretty lucky with
1: that. You guys spot. are in great shape. It sounds like with the two plots you're going to be working on.
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the one, the one, like I said, was a old apple orchard. I mean, like I said, it's half acre. There's maybe, I think there's one to five or six trees that never really matured um so it's not not real big so that's kind of been established there for a while and and the reason i was talking about sunlight is is because there is grass that grows and and then has to be mowed so you know i was just wondering you know if the grass can grow is that enough sunlight for clover or you know um brassicas that come up as well and then the the other food plot was kind of um like I said, half acre, and it was kind of a, of an open area already in the woods. Um, but we cut more trees down around the edge, and it was kind of some that knee high brush that we kind of brush hogged out, and then we kind of tilled it one time. We tried planting clover. Uh, it kind of grew up. It was kind of half grass and weed and and half clover. Haven't really done anything with it. Probably that's, for that,
0: that's a year. Like you way before even i started yeah
3: i mean you're you're talking seven eight years ago um basically there is some clover in it but it's basically a grass field right now with some clover. basically looks like your your yard um so but we'd still mow it uh through the summer months so that's why i was kind of asking about sunlight if that that grass is grown and it needs constantly mowed basically similar to your yard uh is that enough sunlight to do an actual full food plot
1: both yeah, of your plots, 100%. yeah. Both your plots sound like they have plenty of sun. Um, if you're concerned about the apple orchard, go go hot chick there, clover, chicory. Uh, that's going to be more shade tolerant. The other area with the knee-high grasses and whatnot, that that screams brassica plot to me. That's a that's a big sexy or a showstopper or something of that nature. Just again, yeah. sight unseen, um,
2: that's kind of where my head's at. So what I noticed with our clover chicory plot was anytime we mowed it and you have that new growth, the, the tip of that new growth is where the nutrients are. Cause that's where it's growing out. And anytime, like literally we had the same, it was a doe and triplets. And then we had a doe with twins that just lit, like they were I, they, like, I, I swear they'd sleep in our food plot if they could, <laughs> but you'd go in and you'd mow it and you'd see the, the trail camera, take a couple pictures of us in there with the mower. And literally it's like they're in there and all of a sudden that growth starts coming and you could just tell the deer were, were hitting it more because that's where all that fresh nutrients are coming. So mowing it all, helps with weeds, but also it's giving them what they, the whole reason you're planting it, yeah. nutrition, right?
0: Yeah. Now, when you talk about, you know, like our little area and you, I remember reading an article, Mike, I think that you did on on your website about, you know, understanding the importance of your entry and exit routes and, you know, where deer are bedding, you know, how do you like Dimitri kind of alluded to that earlier when he was saying, you know, the, the deer bedding for, for where these spots are are on public and we just want them to kind of come to this situation for us to get a good understanding of where they're funneling to the feed. And if, if we could catch them and have that good Intel and all that type of stuff, you know, how, how important is, is, making a food plot to the bedding and like then on top of like to build on that, like one A's the importance of bedding, but then, you know, one B being, you know, where do you hunt and, and strategize for, for that? Cause I know you hear like, even like Tim, you said that kill plot, you know, what's, you know, even talk about the difference of, you know, Hey, this could be just a transition area and, and you're going to be able to smack dab one here and that's that. And then a kill plot is this. I know that's like three, five questions all in one, but see fit for however you want to answer it.
2: Let let me hit it on it real quick for ours because our woods until I got my land was all center access, regardless of, regardless of where we were going to go hunt, you're walking dead down the pipe. (laughs) You're going right in the middle of the land and you're walking on oak leaves and you are not quiet and, one of the advantages of our new land is you can skirt and we started hunting the edges of our property way more. Um, there's a couple of stands that we have that come rut. If I've got good activity on the cameras, I'll push in and I'll sit there, but almost all of our stands, like my top three stands that I hunt, I can get in and almost always, I will not spook a deer. And I think it is so critical and so overlooked of, even guys walking into the stand and you got a wind blowing into the bedding area, like you're already setting yourself up for failure. If you want to shoot that mature buck, you know, year after year, you talk about these guys, some of the guys that I know that just kill slammers year after year, that's what they think about. So I'm trying to think like that and I'm trying to get better of like, I think it's kind of, tricky sometimes when you got a bigger plot if you got two three four plus acre plot you're you're almost always going to bump a, a dough or something off of it when you get into it but our incognito mix and stuff like that that we're, we're trying to just eliminate spook and deer um, but i think that when the time's right and i need to go in and i need to get close to their bedroom i'm going to get in and get close to their bedroom but i try and avoid it if i can and that's where to your guys's point if you establish the food, the does are going to start using that food source. And But if you're in there all the time and you're bumping the does and they don't feel comfortable, then they're not going to, they're not going to stick around or they're going to come there. All of a sudden you every single picture you get is going to be at one in the morning, 10 at night. It's all going to be after dark photos because they're not comfortable on your land. So I think paying attention to what time are those deer using your plot? Are you putting pressure on them where they they just don't feel comfortable um our our deer around us are pretty comfortable because we're always around on a ranger and tractors and we're pretty active but it uh it still makes a difference yeah i like yeah i mean he nailed it um but i mean i'll add a
1: few things um i mean we've all seen some of the research on pressure and how deer react to it especially older mature deer so um, one of the hardest parts, if you will, about food plots is that typically when you want to hunt it, there's either deer in it when you're going in or, or there's deer in it when you're going out. So, um, incognito was designed for those reasons, uh, more or less to conceal your access in and out than anything, because we want you to be able to hunt those plots and still get in or out without busting deer. Um, but also too, I know a lot of guys, to your point, um, they'll hunt, there's a couple different ways to do it. Your scenario may be similar in that, um, they bed in one area and they'll, they're going to work their way to a, what we call a destination food source. And they'll hunt those transition plots where they'll pop in and stop scent check and move through. Cause they're easier to access in and out of, of, of instead of, um, you know, sitting right on that destination food plot where the deer congregate, you're going to be stuck there till, till midnight, trying to get out of there without busting them all out. So, um, a lot of us don't have the ability to design a food plot based on access it's vice versa we have a spot in the woods and how do we access it you know so um sometimes a guy doesn't even hunt his food plot he just hunts deer going to it or from it um you know so maybe you position yourself between bedding and food so you can sneak in hunt it sneak out um you know it's it's there's a lot of ways to do it um I'm, I know more about food plots and I know about strategy when it comes to, you know, that type of thing. Honestly, I've, I've, I've killed plenty of deer, half of them are probably luck. But um, the other thing Tim said to, to, I, I wholeheartedly agree with is when it's the rut, I don't pay attention to anything. I'm on my best yeah. hand. I've always been that way. Um, early season, late season, I follow the wind during the rut. I don't care. And the deer don't either. I, you know, um, I wear my, you know, I, I try to be mindful of my scent, but I do my best stand. So I don't know if that answers your question, muddy the yep. waters, none of the above, all of the above, but, <laughs> but also to, to Tim's point, it's going to be fun to watch because putting food in those two locations is going to completely change your property. Yeah. Um, it's going to hunt differently. It's going to be different. Um, there's going to be more deer on it so you may not you know i know now you guys hunt the 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 public because of bedding and that's where the deer are it might completely flip um i know tim's property has changed Um, some stands that used to be awesome the deer don't travel by anymore because the food has changed and there's more of it and um there's more bedding so i I think that's gonna be really neat to watch um more challenges, great (laughs) yeah, yeah right yeah yeah exactly i built i putting this thing in to make it easier. Yeah. No, I think it's not that it's going to be harder. It's just that it's going to change. Yeah. Um, so you might find that where you're sitting is no longer any good. Um, and there's a better spot. So
2: um, that's the fun part. I'm though. such I a mean, stubborn it, guy too. I'm such a stubborn ass. I'm like, I'm, I'm not changing. That stand is awesome. That's my kill stand. Yep. It trails like 50 yards that way. I'm like, just move your damn stand. Yep. <laughs> You'll see it too. It's going to happen.
3: Now, how about, um, once you plant your food plot, you're trying to get that germination. Do you guys do anything maybe to keep turkeys out or other ant, birds out to try to, you know, allow that plot to grow, to get the maximum potential out of it. And then two, you talked a little bit about mowing clover and when the right time is to mow that clover. Are You looking for a certain height, um, when, when you mow it and then what you when you mow it and then what you mow it to.
2: So I have a, a cost. It's like a bald eagle costume that I wear, make Mike wear. Um, and he has to go through the plots. That keeps the turkeys away. Um, and uh, we don't, I mean, we, we turkey hunt too. So bring it on. Um, they, they won't ravage it as bad as uh, the, the deer will. If you broadcast um, but, oats
1: and don't cover them, I mean, they're going to pick them out, but for the most part, small seeds, you shouldn't have a ton of issue.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. When, and clover, the kind of the dead giveaway, when it's ready to get mowed, when it starts to flower, um, when it starts budding out, that's when it's at its maturity and you can start to mow it. You don't want to mow it too early. Our, our chick, like the, the chicory, for example, that'll get knee high, you know, it'll get big and unruly. Um, that's a little bit too long, but there's the two varieties of clover in there. So what I typically look for is once you start seeing it flowering out, um, that means that plants matured, you can go ahead and go ahead and mow that.
3: Okay.
2: the best way to maintain it.
0: Absolute best way to maintain it. I love it. I mean, I just, uh, I'm fired
3: up right now. I know. It's going to be exciting this year and, and do something new. And, you know, we always talk about going out of our comfort level and, and in each hunting season and try something different, whether it's a strategy or, you know, planning flu plots. And I, I think this is going to be a new challenge and a fun challenge and, and really step up our game a little bit this year. Get me out of the house more too. You,
0: <laughs> you might
2: shed a few exactly. more tears when you kill that first deer over it too. And go. for me it was it was like you you plant it and it's like I go back three days later, I'm like, So you ain't popping yet? So, <laughs> no, it's only been three days, you know, but you go back and you keep checking it and all of a sudden you get back there and our big plot, like like I I got emotional this year when we I went down, I I took a video of it and I sent it to Mike and I'm like I was just laughing I mean it just it came in so thick and around our corn and I rounded the corner and shot down like out in front of where our sand is and it was just like hell yeah like this is awesome and you know it it's such a fun way to extend your hunting season because for us it really never stops I mean it uh I'm, all, I'm already thinking about next year. I'm going shed hunting and then it, all of a sudden now we'll be, okay, we're getting close to frost seeding, which we haven't talked about. Um, you know, that's a good way to kind of go back in and, and hit your plots and um, specifically your clover plots and get them that, because it's a five-year perennial. Like our, our comeback kid mix got four, four varieties of clover and alfalfa that'll go four or five years. But if you go in and you, you oversee it into it every year, it's going to kind of lengthen the, the lifespan of that plot. So I get super excited even now, like I can't wait to start planting and I can't wait to get back in and see like it's your, it's coming up, it's coming up and like, Oh, it's just, it gets me going.
0: Mike, I, I like to, I, when you said just before, you know, I, it could bring you tears, you know, once you, you know, you harvest an animal there or, you know, you kind of know that's because of, the deer was coming to that, that food plot. You know, when we talked to on the phone, like we were saying, you know, Dimitri has, has a, two little boys, you know, in a couple of years, you know, they'll be hunting. My daughter's six. And, you know, I know she's dying to go out. Like she wants to, she wants to go. I mean, she wants to shoot her compound, bow, but you know, that that's not going to happen just <laughs> right away, but in
1: time, in, in time.
0: You. And man, I, I, that's what, if, if we do that just solely for us to, you know, build a better habitat for these deer for these next couple of years. And, you know, that's what it ends up happening. Like, man, that's, like you said, that's, that's a piece, that's a circle of life and and something that we've yep. put in that hard work for. And that's something I'm really, really excited about. And, you know, like we were just saying, it, 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 it extends our season. It gets us more deeper and deeper down this, this passion that we have for it.
2: Yep. The other hey, thing, I took my little the- cousin out, okay. Colin, he's 14, he's never shot a deer same stand my dad shot his out of. I had him up. Youth hunt, uh, we had a close call, almost got a nice buck. And second season, of, or second weekend of Wisconsin gun opener, um, we had like eight or nine does out. And I look over, and there's this buck. And it was a nice eight-pointer, way bigger than the one horn I shot for my first <laughs> buck. And Colin, Colin took him down, and, I mean, immediately like tears of just joy. He called his mom and his mom's like, is everything okay? And he's like, I'm just excited. And (laughs) it's just like, I'm sitting here watching this unfold. And it was the first time I'd been with somebody that took their first year. And it it was so humbling of just like, man, he texts me every other day asking me for trail camera pictures. He is hooked and I'd rather hook a kid on hunting and fishing and other things that they could get hooked on at yeah. their age. So that, that to me right there was my, I didn't kill a deer this year. That that was my season right there between my dad getting his buck and my, my little cousin shooting his first deer, That, that was, that was it for me. That That reminded me exactly of why I'm a, I'm a hunter and why I do what I do. Awesome. Well said, man.
1: Yeah, I think he nailed it. I mean, think about it the last few years obviously this year's different but hunting has struggled to to gain new entrance cuz we're also stubborn um, honestly you see there's so many guys that they don't plant food plots cuz it's cheating or whatever you want to call it yeah think about all these kids that have hunted and not seen a deer for the first 2 years and are like why am i doing this and they quit in colin's experience or in a lot of kids experience that love it there's nothing better than sitting in food plot with a bunch of deer out there. It's fun as hell. You shoot your first deer. He's hooked. So, I mean, it's a, um, it's, it's much bigger than, than just a food plot to Tim's. I mean, Tim nailed it with that story. Um, that's why we all do it. And that's, it's one of the ways to help grow this great sport and get people hooked on it because experiences like that, they're unforgettable for everybody. Not Tim didn't even kill the deer. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. just think about, the experience in general and you'll have the same with your daughter um and if you can put deer in front of her every night in a food plot that's the best way to do it she's gonna love it yeah. so i mean creating those experiences creates hunters of the future and um that's the best part so uh, telling that story and seeing the video that tim posted was pretty awesome pretty emotional pretty cool well,
3: that's it i'd even think of you know you see a picture on instagram or online of you know, someone that put the effort in to put a food plot and, and, and then they harvest the deer. And a lot of times they'll bring that deer back. And, and that's where they take their pictures is in that food plot. And you almost see the smile on their face that they're more proud of that food plot, uh, you know, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that, that caused them to harvest that deer than actually, you know, how big or, or yeah. you, even the harvest itself. So, you know, it just goes to show the hard work they put in and, and the effort and how it really paid off. And, you know, our one friend, Brian, from America's Best Bowstring. Yeah. You know, he had a huge drought of killing a buck in Archery in Ohio. And this year he just pounded the work in the summer. I mean, he was always posting videos and he was hand raking and clearing and 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 put a food plot in and, and in the middle of the woods, kind of like what we were talking about in our situation. And this year he punches tag pretty, pretty early, early. on. Yeah, about middle October. And, you know, you just saw the joy on his face, you know, probably prouder than any deer he's ever shot because of that work that he put in. You know, you would think, oh, he was just had a drought and, and finally punched his tag. No, it was the work that he put in, the effort, the hours. And then finally, I mean, I remember he posted a video as soon as he shot that deer and he was just ecstatic and excited. And you could just see all of that work. It's finally paid off. And I think it goes to show of, you know, how yeah. this, th- these things can really change your property.
2: Yeah, firsthand. I mean, that's that's what we experience, and so our our land. My dad's got the twenty acres of ag, and then he's got sixty acres, and then I've got fifty, and it all butts up. And this twenty acres of ag, I've been just nagging at him, and so it's Mike for three or four <laughs> years. Like, we got to pull it out of ag. We can we can do so much more with this, and this year him seeing the work we put in, in our lower plot, which is two, two and a half acres and him getting the deer. He already had a forester out. We're getting the, he's said we're pulling, we're pulling it out, man. Like, but we're going to control that. Now we got 20 acres. Now, now we're going to talk like, all right, how do we have 10 acres of, of food? And how big of a game changer is that going to be? And some, my dad, my dad's as stubborn as I am. And he is all full tilt on it. So that's our big project this year. And Mike and I's big commitment this year is we've we've done a lot of videos and we post them on our Facebook and we started getting them on our YouTube channel now. And a lot of them are like minute and a half and it's just quick tips or whatever we're doing. But we are uh we are gonna document this project. It's not gonna be a one year project converting this field. It's big, you know. Um but we're gonna document it. We're gonna talk about it and we're gonna fail a lot, I'm sure but um, hopefully other people can learn from our failures on it and even when we're putting our other plots in like we're going to have our good buddy jeff nelson who owns he he owns a company where he puts in food plots advanced habitat solutions that's what he does he goes in and helps guys plan it execute it put the plot in and we're going to have him on uh, we do a, a facebook live every other week or so and uh, just break it down and put the plan in and it's like that's when it gets really fun for us and then all of a sudden you'll fast forward like five years from now and watch how that whole property transforms and the amount of deer we're going to see is going to dramatically increase the amount of encounters with big bucks is going to dramatically increase because you just you're putting more food in you're putting more shelter in and um, I'm, I'm just pumped about it.
1: See what you guys are in for. Yeah,
2: just throwing one little food plot. The next thing you know,
0: I know. I'm like thinking big time. (laughs) I know. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the turn
3: turn and run while you can. Oh my god! I'm ready for the snow melt and get my hands in the dirt. No, I.
2: I, I'm like I. It's like it's like musky fishing. I started musky fishing and I caught a musky, and then I found it necessary to buy like 15 baits. And musky fishing's like even worse than food plotting in some It's just like, but it's worth it. It's, it. You can spend your money on worse things. Right.
0: I always say that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> at least I'm not spending money on strippers and booze and all that. You know? Exactly. Yep. See? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, exactly. we, we got everything. I mean, we planted, we're ready we, to go. yeah, we, we, uh, I mean, is there, here's, here's a question now we're, we're, before we wrap things up for this part one of this episode, you know, we're, we're newbies coming, coming into it. You know, we, I know you could just go that general answer of, you know, enjoy the process and you know, you're going to make mistakes, you know, is there, is there anything else that you could possibly, you know, say to us before we, we get rolling, you know, even if it's a tip or a trick or uh, a miss, you know, even a common mistake that you've, Normally, see, you know, you talked about skipping steps. You know, just what's something that we could possibly try to avoid for that first time, or just something to, hey, just sit back, relax, and and put into work.
1: I'll I'll go first, and then Tim can can knock it out of the park with the, the final. But <laughs> um, first of all, hard work always pays off. Whether it's this year, next year, five years from now, it's going to pay off. But one of the things we didn't, we touched on pH, which we stressed the importance of it. One of the things we didn't talk about that can be super helpful and really hard given our human nature is when you're planting that open Brassica food plot, um, Brassicas have tiny little seeds and they grow into big giant plants. One of the biggest things people do incorrectly is they put down way too much seed. Human nature, more is better. is not the case when it comes to mixes like big sexy so you have that that spot that's we're going to call it a half acre 40 yards by 50 yards or what have you one three pound jug of big sexy broadcast across one half acre is the perfect seed rate you're going to look at it and think this can't be enough but it is so the biggest advice i can give you outside of what we've already done is pay attention to those seed rates, especially with brassicas. With clovers, not as important. They'll kind of, you can overseed a clover plant. It's, it's quite all right. But with brassicas, if you plant it and it looks like a carpet two weeks later, you think it looks awesome. If you send the picture to me, I might bite my tongue because it looks great, but in six weeks, you probably won't have big giant turnips because all these plants are fighting over the nutrients. So seed rate, seed rate, seed rate, seed rate. Um, one of the biggest um, problems, experts, first timers, what have you, people across the food plot spectrum have with brassicas, human nature, man, more is better. And this is
2: one instance where it's not Tim, Bob. That's, that's what I was going to (laughs) say.
1: That's why Mike (laughs) took it
2: first. (laughs) The problem is, I mean, I'm looking up at our, I mean, they're they're black seeds you can't see them coming out you're like and then you go and you're like looking at you're like i don't see any well you you can't see them once you brought like, it's out so step it off walk briskly we use hand planters we low the seed the setting scotts yeah tiny seed setting and invest i mean we buy like the tesla of spreaders it's like 20 bucks Uh, it's a scott's grass spreader it's got a battery in it oh game changer but um you use that and like i'll put my hand out in front of it and just all right there's seeds coming out and then walk go 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 make sure you're not crossing over your path and yeah i i will double triple like reinforce mike's point because i've made that mistake before and I have said it on, on, on our videos before, like you want that picture where you're holding the, the giant purple top turnip that you see on TV. Well, they planted it, right? <laughs> they, they didn't crowd it and crowded airspace. You're going to have a, a ping pong size ball turn like size turn up and it's just not going to produce what you want. So that, and reach out and ask, I mean, that's like Mike and I answer so many questions and I would so much rather answer the question to give you a better shot, not guaranteeing it's going to be successful. I'm going to help you or Mike's going to help you have a better shot at success, but reach out and ask, you know, and there's so many of these groups on Facebook, these food plot groups and stuff where you just get keyboard people that are just, they, they just like, I know everything. And it's like, (laughs) I don't know everything. Mike doesn't know everything, but we're going to, we're going to give you the best, uh, advice we can and we're, we're going to do our best to not steer you wrong so um, and we'll be there from start to that's finish what I say. yeah yeah that's what i would say
0: awesome well here here's what i asked in for from the two of you if you're cool with it after this one airs let's we'll re-listen to it we'll say okay man we totally neglected this topic we missed this one so we'll we'll make note of that just in case if we did and then on that second episode when we get going for uh when we get right in the thick of things we'll we'll go ahead and revisit that but then we'll talk about where we're at currently getting Perfect. ready with everything and and doing all that stuff how does that sound
1: Sounds great. I love it, man. Yeah, it sounds like a great plan.
0: Awesome. Well, so
1: I'm looking forward to watching your process. Yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. So,
0: well, where could people find you? And and uh, I know we talked about you know the Instagram, Facebook a lot with Tim saying that and doing the Facebook lives. So, where could people re- find you and, uh, and and check you guys out?
2: So our our website is uh, domainoutdoor.com. Uh, our Facebook is domainoutdoor. Uh, and our Instagram is domain outdoor. So, uh, we post every day. Um, we, we do our beers and bucks, uh, which is basically Mike and I just sit and BS for an hour or so, but talking food plots. And what we really like is the community. We've, we've seen a lot more questions and stuff coming in. And a lot of the questions that we answered tonight, we answer on those. Um, so check us out on Facebook. We're very active there again, domain outdoor. And then, uh, if you have questions uh, on our website, uh, we've got a great food plot selector to kind of help you out. And our YouTube channel is, is g- gaining momentum. We have so <laughs> many videos. We might, I'm like, Mike, why have we neglected this? Like, so we're going to be posting a ton more video content and little snippets of like, I have an in the woods food plot video that we just put up a couple weeks ago. So, um, watch out for that. We're going to keep adding there and, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. We we really appreciate this. This was awesome.
0: No, thank you guys. We we appreciate you taking the time and sharing you know everything about food plot. What you guys know and, and talking about domain, and uh, you know I'm, we're excited to start our adventure down this the, down this crazy road. And everybody, go give the guys over at Domain Outdoors a follow. And uh, if you have any questions, like they said, hit them up. And until next time, antler up. That's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Mike and Tim, thank you so much for coming on. Definitely go check out those guys over at Domain Outdoor. And I'd like to thank you so much for checking us out. And until next time, Antler Up.